now we get, we're diving into week two here. So this morning, I'm going to pick up where we left off, part two of our series, The Greatest Story Ever Told. And I entitled God's message for today, Embracing God's Plan. Embracing God's Plan. And before we kind of unpack this, is it okay if we pray? Lord Jesus, God, we thank you. Lord, I pray that your word would impact us, I would pierce and penetrate every area of our heart and go deep, Lord God, that we would never be the same. We thank you and we praise you. Use this word to change us from the inside out this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen. So embracing God's plan. Uh, this morning, like I said, we're going to dive into Luke chapter 1 of this narrative. And, you know, we see all throughout Scripture Jesus using so many different people to fulfill generation after generation fulfilling and using willing and faithful people to embrace his plan. To lead us to the most significant moment really in all history. And that's kind of the, the premise and focus in, in this series that we're talking about the greatest story. And this is the birth of the Jesus, the Savior of the world that he would come to this earth to live a life, a holy and blameless, that he would yet then die for our sins 30 years later. And still God wants to use people like he used back then. He's using us today. You believe that? I pray you believe that this morning. How many of you here know that God has a wonderful, amazing, purpose-filled plan for your life? Right? I, I, if you take anything from today, I want, you, I want you to walk out of this place with your head, head held high knowing that God has a plan for your life. And you hear us talk about the plan and purpose, but we believe in it as a church, and we want to walk it out and help you walk it out in the journey as we walk through this life together. So follow-up question to that question, have you embraced this plan for your life? <laughs> a lot of us may know the plan. God has spoken to you specifically, but have you embraced it? Have you, ha have you come to that moment where you can say, Lord, I'm willing to surrender my plans and accept yours and embrace yours? So we're going to talk about that this morning. The Bible's filled with so many accounts of ordinary people just like you and me. And I want you to catch this, people just like you and me. Sometimes I think we read scripture and we think that these people are on a whole nother level. But really, they're just like you and me. And I want you to catch this. And God uses them, not only for his plan, but for their lives as they walk in purpose and obedience. And obedience is key. So have we truly embraced God's plan this morning? I want you to think about that as we move forward and unpack this, this message. So let's get into God's word. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1. Uh, and you could turn with me or follow along on the screen. We'll have the verses on the screen for you. So first, uh, Luke opens up this first chapter of his book with an introduction of events that have been fulfilled. Uh, and he talks here in verse 1 to 4, kind of this introduction to this account and what he's about to say in his book. Uh, he says this in verse 3. Having carefully invested every, investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theopolis, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. So it's here from this moment, Luke introduces this book and talks about, like, this is the facts. I've done my research. Are you glad Luke did his research? Some commentators say that he actually might have been even sat with Mary and talked to her. I don't know how true that is, but I think that's pretty awesome. So this is so great as we kind of unpack this. Luke takes the next portion of the text and expounds on the account of Zechariah, the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and the birth of John the Baptist foretold. This is through verses 5 to 25. 
And man, I don't want us to lose this significance because John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus and God's plan is so good that he would put these two stories and really Luke is parallel, he's using these parallels between the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist and that birth between Jesus and how John would be the forerunner for Jesus six months prior to before Jesus would have his ministry. Man, I love God's plan. Right, doesn't it, it gets, it gets me excited, I don't know about you. So then Luke continues here, and the angel of the Lord Gabriel appears to Zechariah in verse 11 to bring him the great news of the birth of their son, John, even though Elizabeth was barren. God still had a better word for her and for and a better plan for her and, and them, right? And we see Zechariah's response, and it really is a response of unbelief. And we'll talk a little bit about that, but I really do want to focus in on verses 26 and 38. 26 to 38, when Gabriel appears to Mary six months later. So let's, let's read this together. We're kind of really focusing in on this, these, these several verses here. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38, you can follow along with me. It says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and he, you will call him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Verse 37, listen to this. For the, Lord, for the word of God will never fail. And verse 38, Mary's response, and she said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said to me come true. And then the angel left her. I love this passage. It's so good. We're kind of just focusing on this passage this morning. And uh, I'm going to talk about three things that we could take away from this great biblical text here. Three things in this Christmas season that I believe even God is speaking to you right now for this moment, for this season, whatever you're going through. This word is for you. I, find, I hope you find encouragement in that. Because if we're really true to, truly to embrace God's plan and purpose for our lives, we need to understand a few things. First and foremost, hear me out. God wants to mess up your plans. <laughs> oh, I, got, I got to chuckle a little bit. I'm sorry if you came here today and you thought this was going to be an easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl message. That's not the message we're preaching today. I'm sorry. But God wants me to tell you that he wants to mess up your plans. And let me be clear about this for this first point. Every messed up plan is not God's fault. Every messed up plan is not God's plan. And God is not the orchestrator or designer of bad plans. Can we make that foundation clear? In fact, Bible assures us that God's plan is not evil. He doesn't plan for evil. But guess what? Jeremiah 29, 11. He has plans what kind, of, what kind of plans? 
good plans, plans to prosper, plans for hope and a better, my favorite verse right there, I love it. Sometimes God does want to mess up your plans because he's got a better one in store for you. So I want you to think about this. Think about Mary and Joseph. I love to put myself in their shoes. So in this moment, I want you to put yourself in Mary's shoes. Uh, just in, even the both of them and think about this. They're planning their wedding. Ladies, what's Mary doing right now? They're planning their wedding. She's writing her name, right? That's what, that's what we do. I remember uh, even prior to me and Shy getting married, uh, Cheyenne Corkum. Oh, oh. But like, I mean, that's how I, that's how I viewed it, right? But really, she just wanted to make sure it looked good with her first name and last name together, right? Or she, <laughs> no, but, like, but this is, getting back here to the text, I believe maybe in this moment, who knows, they had a plan, right? So Mary's like, hey, getting ready to marry Joseph. Everything's all fine, hunky-dory. It's, it's great. And maybe Joseph, he's probably working extra shifts, trying to pay off that honeymoon coming up. You know, he, whatever he's got to do, he's going to make it happen. Just trying to, just trying to lit, relate here, maybe put it in our context and culture today. Um, and they're dreaming of little Marys and Josephs running around like, yeah, life is good. And then, bam! Angel of the Lord come and like, let me mess something up for you. Let, let, let me show you something. He, he, he comes and he says, Mary, I know you got big plans, but God, God got something better for you. And, and the journey might not be easy, but God's got something better for you. So prior to the angel of the Lord showing up, I'm sure Mary and Joseph, they, got, they had a game plan, right? They had a game plan. Uh, and I think uh, it's, it's a lot like football. Where's my football people at? Woo, let's go. So just think about this. Let me, let me talk to my football people for a little bit because I, I want to put this in context. It's like, you know, coach calls a play. All right, let's line up. Let's line up. Quarterback lines up. He's like, are we ready for this? Hey, 56, 56. Watch 56. All right, ready, ready. Are they about to do a play action pass? Jared Goff, he's like, all right, we got this. We're about to score and make the playoffs. All right, here we go. So he's about to hike it. Coach runs down the line. He's like, T, 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 time out, time out, T. Oh. Hold up. Jared, come on. Jared, come over here. Huddle up, huddle up. All right, the plan, it stinks. That plan's horrible. This is what we need to do. We're audible in it. We're changing the plan. We'll do a Hail Mary. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. That was a joke, that was a joke. That, that was a joke. Let me make something clear. We'll be talking a lot about Mary today, but we hail Jesus, not Mary. But anyways, kind of coming back to this, we have a plan. And even just like football, like, God's our coach saying, hey, that plan, that's not a good plan. That, that's not the plan that if you execute that plan, I don't think you're going to win in life. I don't think that's going to be a scoring touchdown. This is the plan you got to do. So the angel of the Lord comes to him and is like, Mary, I'm, I'm sorry. Just got a word from the Lord and uh, I don't know what plans you had, but the God Almighty, he's calling an audible. He wants to change your plans. And I want you to just think about that for a moment. Because he, he says this, you know, in a nutshell. He wants you to know you're going to be pregnant before your wedding day. You know, your, your, your fiancé, he's not going to be the father. You know, it's going to be a miracle thing we're going to do called the virgin birth. And this baby that you're going to have, he's going to be the savior of the world. Can, can you just catch that? So talk about throwing a wrench in the plans. Man, Jesus is... The Lord just dumped the whole tool shed on him, right? 
everything was thrown off. And, the, and the mo- for most of us in this room, we, have, we all have a preconceived idea of what we want, our own plan for our lives. And I believe even Mary and Joseph are, were the same, right? Whatever they were going through, they had their own plan, they had their own agenda. But I love this story because God's agenda is always greater than our own. But oftentimes, it's the harder plan. It's always the harder plan. Why, God, why? God's plan is not easy. It comes with difficulties. It comes with struggles. It comes with troubles. It's always confusing. It's God's plan. We may not understand, but it's God's plan, and it's not a plan that's going to hurt or harm you. So see, God knows uh, what we want. He knows our hearts, and yet he doesn't always give us what we want. Are you thankful? I know growing up as a kid, are you thankful? Um, I'm thankful my parents didn't give me everything I wanted for Christmas. Because I would just would have been one spoiled, rotten kid, right? And I believe God doesn't give us a lot of things because there's a lot of other things he's trying to produce in us. And can I tell you something this morning? God is more interested in your character than, he's, than he is in your comfort. He cares more about what you can produce, not on your own, but in his, in his strength, through your character, not about how comfortable you'll be in this life with your own plans. It's our human nature that we always want to take the easy way out, but character really isn't developed in the easy times. Character is developed in the struggle. Character is cultivated and developed in the hardest moments of our lives, and how many can you agree with that? That in your deepest, darkest moments that God was birthing character in you, that you would be able to move past it, break down that wall, and move forward in his plan. But it comes to that moment where you have to say, his plan is greater than my own. When God messes up your plans, it means we got to trust him. You and I have to trust him. You may be here this Christmas season, as Christmas approaches, and you're wondering, why does God allow circumstances in my life that doesn't make sense? The answer is to give you an opportunity to express and develop your faith. He's always given us opportunity to express what we view him as and to develop our faith. I don't know what you're facing this Christmas, but I know Christmas time tends to intensify a lot of things that we go through. And I think it's this idea of this hustle and bustle and the things that are taking place. So the, the craziness of buying the gifts and the presents and all these things that Christmas was never meant to be begins to intensify some of the things that we go through. But the Bible is so very clear, and there's only one way to please God, and that's through faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It doesn't say it's unlikely. It's impossible to please God without faith. Catch that this morning. God wants us to trust him so much for the things in your life, even when it falls short and you have mistakes and it doesn't go as planned, he wants you to trust him. He always wants you to trust him. He has something bigger in store for you. Are you ready to surrender your plans this morning for something greater? It's gonna take everything, I'll tell you that. It's gonna take all of you. Are you ready to surrender your plan for God's plans and embrace his plan? I absolutely love this passage in Luke chapter 1, this little segment, verse 26 to 38. For me, it just it really does shout the genius plan of God and all that he's doing through Mary and how he's using these people, Zechariah and, and, and Elizabeth. You know, we see here in this dialogue between the angel and the Lord uh, uh, and Mary, and I, and I just love this. 
So not only does he want to mess up your plans, kind of moving forward here this morning, he wants me to tell you this morning that he can and wants to use you. He can and he wants to use you. I mean, despite what we may think or believe about ourselves, he wants to use us. Church, this gets me. This gets me that even as a young boy that I would be raised to be here in this moment to speak these words to you, man, that throws me off. It throws me off. Despite what I believed about myself, what I could do, what I couldn't do, God called me. And he's calling you. And I think we get so hung up on what we think we can or cannot do. God can and he wants to use you. And I hope you find encouragement from that this morning. I believe there's somebody and some people here in this room, and I've bought into this myself, that we buy into these lies that God can't nor wants to use you. It's not true. It's a lie from the enemy. We think to ourselves, we're not good enough. We've made too many mistakes. Thinking I'm not gifted or talented. I don't got the title or position. I don't have what it takes to walk this journey with Jesus. I don't have the support. I don't got nobody. I'm a nobody from a nobody little town called Hilo. Maybe you felt like that. Maybe, maybe you felt like that. But can I tell you about a story of a little insignificant virgin girl that God used for his glory? Her name was Mary, who was said to be only 12 to 14 years old that God would choose to use someone so insignificant. And this is what I love about God because he used insignificant things to bring greatness and glory through him. A young, a poor female, which are all characteristics to people in that day that would discount, that would disqualify her and would make her seem unusable by God. What are you labeling yourself with today that you consider you're not able to be used by God? Think about it. We all do it. And I just love this this story here because yet thousands of years later we read of an insignificant woman who God chose to use for something greater than herself as an act of obedience to bring forth the Savior of the world. That's so good. That's the God you and I serve. That's the God you and I serve this morning. You may be sitting here today feeling that your ability, that your education or your experience That's what counts in life. That's what's gonna make the mark for you. That's not how God works. There's nothing that you could give him that he still can't use you for. See, we think that we gotta give all these things. We think that we need the ability, the education, the experience, and that, that, but that doesn't make you a likely candidate for God to use. Being called of God is, is what you need to be a likely candidate for God to use. It's not the gifts, the origin, title, or nor ability that suits you to be called of God. He is with you because you are his. He is with you because you are a child of God. We have an identity crisis here in America today because we find identity more in the things that we do rather than the things that, rather than who we are in Christ, right? This is, this is so good. Luke Chapter 1 here, verse 28 and 29, it says this, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. In that time, greetings were normal, but 
Specifically, rank and status within society determined how you would greet one another. Right, if it was somebody in authority or a thing, somebody in high, high ranking, the way you responded, the way you talked to them would be differently than somebody else. And I just so love it. And as a, both a woman and a young person, not married yet, Mary, in essence, really had virtually no social status. <laughs> but yet, God chose to use her. She was from Nazareth, a small significant village Right? Maybe sometimes you think Hilo. Like we're just a small, insignificant little town. What, what good can come from Hilo? In the words of Nathaniel, he said the same thing about Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? And yet God uses to, in that city, that town, to birth the Savior of the world. The most significant thing in history, the greatest story ever told from the most insignificant town. Love it. Verse 29, so she, we see Mary here confused and disturbed. Mary's looking around like, you talking to me? Wait, l l listen to what he says. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Me? I'm favored? The Lord's with me? I, I just so love this. Has everyone ever, like, you ever had anybody in your life that would just speak life into you? Like, oftentimes we don't believe a lot about ourselves that may or may not be true. And I think it's so significant when somebody speaks things into us. And I believe here in this moment, Mary might have been thinking, I am definitely not favored. But I just so love this because when people speak words over you that completely contradict what you believe about yourself, all we can do is be like, nah, that ain't me. That ain't me. Maybe you, 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 you're left confused and disturbed like Mary here. I remember as a little boy, I was about Mary's age, 12, 12 13 years old. Uh, one of my uncles, and I, I don't know even if he's listening to this online right now, but I, I appreciate him so much. Um, it's my uncle Kevin. I'm so grateful for him and... Um, as I was growing up, he spoke words of life into me. He spoke things that in the moment I never believed about myself, but he called it out of me. To this day, he still calls me. When he, when he sees me or uh, when we talk, no matter what, he's like, Bold Ben! What's up, Bold Ben? Let, 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 me, un, let me just understand this because when I was a little boy, when I was 12, 13 years old, I was the most shy, quiet kid you could ever see. <laughs> and yet, and that's why I love about what the things that the God is speaking to you, you might not believe it, but God used my uncle to speak life into me. He called me bold even though I was a quiet, shy little boy. But he knew that one day maybe this guy would have a platform maybe that God would use him and he would be bold enough to share the great news of God. And I believe even in this moment when we, we see this encounter between the angel and Mary that Mary maybe not, did not see these things in her. But yet the Lord calls her favored and he's with her. And I don't know what you label on yourself but God has greater labels for you. God, God got a better word for you. And if he can use people in your lives like he used my uncle Kevin to just share, to him it probably meant 
peanuts, but for me, it meant everything. And now I believe I'm walking in boldness. I'm grateful for people like that, and I pray you have people in your life that can speak life into you in the midst of darkness, in the midst of, of hopelessness. He still calls me bold, Ben, to this day. <laughs> can you imagine if we greeted each other like that, though? Like, we need to hop on this train, like, right now. Like, every time we see somebody in the store here at church, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. You are blessed. You are highly favored. What's up, dude? You're a conqueror. You're victorious. Let's call these things out in people. That's what God's called us to do. God calls you great. Despite how you feel about yourself, let me, let me be that person now and then you could be that person for someone else later. But whatever you feel about yourself, God calls you great. He's called you for something, something greater and he loves you. Just so you know. God wants to shatter every label you may have put on yourself and even the labels that others have thrown on you. He wants to shatter it all because his word and his promise is far greater than anything anyone could ever say to you or what you could say to yourself. Hear me. Because we have a tendency to underestimate our value to God. We do this so much. And when we do this, it undercuts the strength of our faith. I've gotten the habit where I, in prior years, I used to let things slide. But when people talk negative, even with, with my wife, when I talk to the phone on my, with my mom, when they, when they speak negative things, man, I chop it right at the knees. I'm like, you better stop talking like that. Because when you devalue yourself and you underestimate the value that God has for you, you are cutting and undercutting your faith. It astonishes me here. And we need to understand that we have a plan in God. And we don't need to fully understand this plan, but we can embrace it and we can trust in it. It comes from a good father who loves us and wants to use us. He wants to use you for something greater this morning, this Christmas season. Through the hustle and bustle, all these things happening, whatever you're going through right now, God wants to use you. And I believe this word was a specific word for this moment, for this time, for some of you in this room that we're, you're going through a lot in this Christmas season. And maybe you have devalued God's word and God's promise on your life. I'm just so amazed at the story in this passage and Mary was said to be 12 to 14 years of age. Does that blow some of your minds? <laughs> Sometimes I, I question my own faith that a 12 to 14 year old girl would understand and know God's plans, purpose, and even if she didn't understand, she just was obedient. God wants you and I to be obedient. 12 to 14 years of age and yet she models what it looks like to respond in faith and embrace God's plan. <laughs> Let's look at the next few verses here. Luke chapter one, uh, continuing in verse 30. The angel Lord said, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him, his, him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. This is like the single most greatest thing that could happen to any woman in Israel. <laughs> Put yourself in her shoes. If God chose you, being a woman in this room, 
to conceive the son of the most high that would change the world forever. <laughs> Logically, it doesn't make sense. And I can't imagine the response, but we see her speaking here and it's just, God would choose her to be the mother, uh, mother of the Messiah, the savior of the world. Verse 34, this is her response. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And this, this holds a lot of weight to it. And I believe for Mary, this wasn't a question of unbelief. Remember, she's like 12 to 14 years old. I believe this is a question of understanding. How can this be? I'm a virgin. Mary believed the promise, but she had yet to understand the performance. How could a virgin give birth when, when they've never had sexual relations with any man? It doesn't make sense. And a lot of times, some of us are going through situations and we don't understand because maybe right now, God's calling you to give. God's calling you to give your, in your finances, give up your time, give up your talents. And you're like, God, how's that gonna happen? I'm, I don't have a job right now. Right, we ask these same questions like Mary. How can this happen? How can I give when I don't even have a job? How can I sacrifice things when I don't even have anything to give? God doesn't need your understanding, church. God doesn't need anything you can give him except your availability. God wants you and I to be available. When we could say, Lord, I wanna be available to you. Lord, I had my own plans. I had my own way that I was going, but you know what? I wanna trust you. I wanna trust your plan. Can we let go of what we understand and take a leap of faith into his plan. <laughs> he wants to mess up your plans today, this Christmas season. He wants to mess up your plans. He can and he wants to use you, just in case you didn't know. But here's what we can do, our third and final point for today. He wants you and I to respond in faith to his voice. Respond in faith to God's voice. It really ultimately will be our response to the stirring of God's voice that will pretty much determine what we will see or what we won't see in the working that God wants to do in your life. Everything hinges on our response to God. And like I said before, right, we, we see even prior in uh, the, the previous passage when the angel of the Lord comes to Zechariah, we see his response. There's a lot of parallels to the, the, the foretelling of uh, John the Baptist's birth and also Jesus' birth. There, if, if you go back and, and read between the, the passages, you'll see there's so many parallels. You want to know what the main difference is? Zechariah's response was a response of unbelief. Mary's response was a response of belief in God's promise. And I so much love that because I feel like here, the Lord and, and, and Luke is writing, he, he's giving you, hey, you could answer this way or you could answer this way. But you know what? My promise still remains the same. And whether I use you or somebody else, my plan will be fulfilled. God is calling and speaking to you, but it's how we respond to his call that will really ultimately dictate everything that takes place 
and, and the level God shows up in our lives. Let's pick it up where we left off, uh, verse 34. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And he, he says this in verse 35. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. I find verse 36 extremely significant here because God reminds Mary that she's not alone in this either. Verse 36, right? It says, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the Lord, for the word of God will never fail. Think about that for a moment. See, People used to say she was barren, but God has a better word. You know, if we're being honest, I believe specifically something that really keeps us from responding to God is that we would rather believe and respond to the voice of somebody else in our life and then to the voice of God. We would rather believe and respond to what people say about us rather than believing what the word of the Lord says about you and I. And I believe it to be so true that I, I often say this because this is just how I am. I am such a people person that in a sense, sorry, I'm a people pleaser, but I am a people person too. But I'm a people pleaser. And you know what? When we respond, we, we want people to like us. We want people to do all these things, but when the rubber meets the road, the only thing that matters in this life is God's word for your life, is what God says about you. Because people are going to say a lot of things about you. Can I, can, I, can I tell you that this morning? People will say a lot of things that aren't true, that's not reliable, that you can't go cash in and take to the bank because it's not even worth your time to think about. But what do we do? We, we, we feed on those things. When people throw something at us, we're like, oh, I cannot believe they said that. We begin to overthink because we would rather believe the response of what people say than what God's saying about us. Man, people say a lot of things and we put so much weight in on it. I put so much weight on something somebody says. And you know who does it the worst to me? My family members. The people that are closest to me. Man, when they say, and this is why I think it's so important to speak life into your, to your family, to, to people around you, because the words you speak have power. Proverbs says power, the tongue has power, life or death, power in the tongue to bring either life or death. So when I think about this, man, I wanna speak life into my family, speak life into the people around me because Lord forbid a word that I speak into somebody discourages them so much that they focus on that word more than God's word for their life. Man, can you imagine the ridicule and shame Mary had to face as she carried the son of God, as she was showing in her pregnancy Right? Think about this. People seeing her act of obedience as an act of unfaithfulness. Can you imagine? I can't. Just think about even culture today. The Lord came to you and said, okay, you're going to be pregnant. No man is going to do this for you. I'm going to do it. The Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to be pregnant. And say you're married, right? Or you're, you're about to be married like Mary. People will judge. People will criticize. People will say, oh, look at her, unfaithful. She did this. She did that. But yet, it was your act of obedience that listened to God, that God's voice is what really matters and what people say, it doesn't matter. 
what is people speaking into your life that you put too much weight into? Because I believe Mary understood this at 12 years old. <laughs> that blows my mind. But can I encourage you this morning, there will be a lot of things that the Lord calls you to that people in your life will never understand. They won't get it. And I've had a lot of conversations with people and friends because they don't understand God's calling for my life. And I think they just need to experience God in their own way. But a lot of times we put more weight into what they're saying and what they say about us rather than what God's speaking and what God is calling us to do. Can, can, I, can I really encourage you? And I, I, I think this is such a, a key point to talk about because I believe we all struggle with it. This people-pleasing mentality in this life. It's in these moments where I encourage you to look to Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Man, this is, this, is, this is a solid rock foundation for my life, this verse. Listen to this. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? Get this. Because if I was trying to still please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. God's word and approval is all we need, church. His word and approval is all we need to properly respond to him in faith. I don't know where you are today, but I pray that the words somebody else has spoken over you would not take greater weight and heaviness in your life than God's word for your life. This is then how we, we should respond. As we kind of close and wrap this up here, we look to Mary's legendary response of faith to the angel of the Lord. This is how we properly respond to God's voice. This is how, this is how it needs to be done. And Mary models this so well here. In Luke chapter 1, again, right, we're continuing in verse 8. Mary responded, legendary response of the century here, because when things don't make sense, God just wants you to be obedient. He says, she says this, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So responding to God always begins with the posture of our heart. Responding to God always begins with the posture of our heart and how, and how we view him. We can see how Mary views God here. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. I, 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 I genuinely believe that she didn't even believe the things that God was speaking into her life. But I love her response. May everything you have said about me come true. In the season I'm in right now, maybe I don't believe it. Maybe I don't know it for myself. But God, your word is greater. And I pray that the posture of my heart will respond to how I view you. And if I respond to how I view you, if I view you as a small God, how can I expect great things in my life? A lot of times believers, if, if, if we're not careful, we respond like this. And if you just keep that verse 38 up. God is my servant. May everything I have said to you about me come true. Right? This is, this is what I believe we tend to do as, as believers in the church. We tend to, to, to treat God like he's our servant. 
because he's the one that gets us what we want. I'm sorry, I came here today to tell you that God is not Santa, okay? God is not Santa. We don't just come to him and say, Lord, give me this this Christmas. Lord, I, I, need, I need greater things like this and this and this. And, and the Lord does want to provide for you. The Lord does want to do good things for you in your life. But I think we miss, we miss it here, church. We miss it when we think that it doesn't take anything on our part, that it doesn't take an act of obedience for God to show up in our lives. We think that he's our servant and he just gets us what we want. We go to God when it's convenient, when we, when we have time, when we need something from him, when we need a miracle for our lives. But any other day of the week, it's like, Lord, I'm gonna do my own thing. Lord, I got my own plans to, to take care of. Mary, on the other hand, says, she says this, this is her response. She's like, hey, I'm the servant. God, you're not, you, you, you're not my servant. I'm the servant. And anything that you say about me, it must be true. So I'm going to take your word for it, and I'm going to stand on that word in that promise and say, do to me, Lord, what you need to do. I can go through storms, I can go through hardships, I can go through struggles, I can face the things that people are throwing my way, and no matter what I go through, your word will always be the light to my path and the lamp to my life. I want to ask you this morning, and I love this, whether or not, that, whether or not I believe this to be true, whether you believe this to be true, whatever God says, it's final. Stick the hammer to that one. Court is adjourned. It's over. And I, I hope we believe that. But I want to ask you, have you reached that point today? Have you reached that point that you're willing to say, God, no matter what it is you want in my life, no matter what you want for my life, no matter what you want me to use for me in this life, it's not my life, it's your life, I'll do it, Lord. I'll do it. Again, I don't know where you are this Christmas season, but I pray that we wouldn't lose heart in the busyness of it all. I pray that we wouldn't be so caught up in the words of other people. We would go back to what we need to go back to all along, and that's the word of God and what he says. I believe he's trying to get our attention this morning, church. For this Christmas, 2019, he's trying to get your attention. He wants more for you. He's got a better word. He's got a better plan. Will you respond to that plan? Will you say, I sacrificed my plan and I, and I want to take up yours? We tend to look at our lives and think, you know, if I could make my life a little better, it'll be good. If I can only just make it a little better, you know, as I get older, the things I just add to, get new things, the things that will help me be comfortable for this life, we think that'll make our life better. And God looks at our life, he says, if you'd only switch to my, my plan for your life, you can't imagine. You can't imagine the things that I wanna do through you. You can't imagine the things that I have for you. But I want your response, your faithful response to me. You can trust it, you can embrace it. And I think a lot of times, right, he wants us to switch to his plan. And it's like switching a phone plan but without the hassle, right? That, that's what they advertise now on phone plans. It's like, come switch with us, no hassle free. But instead of 0% down, uh, we'll pay everything off. 
Jesus like, save for life, save your life. Switch to my plan, it's better. The great things I wanna do in and through you, both in your life here and all the way to eternity, he wants to do it in you. You can trust it, you can embrace it. He loves and he cares for you so much that he would send his son to be birthed of a virgin who would, who, who, who would say and think that was so in, insignificant to use her to, for a significant moment, birth the son of God, that he would walk a humble life to model and show us what it looks like to be a servant and then die on the cross for yours and my sin. That's how much God loves you today. I pray you walk out of this church with your head held high, knowing that God loves you, that God cares for you, he has a plan for you, and he, he, he wants you to surrender to that plan. I don't know what you need from him today, but I, I know this, and you could take this to the bank and cash it in. God makes no mistakes, and your story is a miracle story. And he uses the greatest story that was ever told to help fulfill your story. And he wants to continue to do that in your lives.